Fruitcake. No, I made you watch these movies. I'm sorry. Who shed my fruitcake? This was a wrong, wrong-headed show. I don't. Well, I, we'll get into it. That now raises a very strange question of who shit in my fruitcake. Do you own an animal of any kind? Oh, it's not animal shit. <laughs> okay, have you sifted? I've not I've not gone that deep into it, but I just figured, you know, somebody sent me a fruitcake filled with shit. It was going to be you. But I do have hair in it. I appear on many, many people's um, most hated lists. I'm coming to find out as this decade ending. I'm realizing I might not have been my best this last decade. You know, we're going into a whole new era, a new death by DVD, another new death by DVD. Um, So maybe it'll be a new Hank. If we're still running the multiple Hank joke, uh, Hank seven or I have no six? idea. Yeah, I don't know. I thought we were on four. God, well, I don't know. Yeah, well, there's a lot of Death by DVD classics you might not have listened to where we've run through some expendable Hanks and uh, some have gotten blown up. One got shot. A lot of stuff happens when you're not around. A lot of weird stuff happens when you're not around. Um, not necessarily good. Good stuff. Good stuff. So. Are we going to do recently seen? Yeah, but I don't even know what mine was about because I only half watched it. So this is <laughs> going to be a wreck. My original recently I could talk about because I knew what it was about, but I picked another one last minute and I don't I don't know. It's uh, it's got Piper Laurie in it and it's by um, Curtis Harrington. And if you know who he is, you've watched a lot of episodes of Dynasty and it's, it's, I don't know, I can't, even, this is like the 10th show where my intro is like, I watched a movie and some stuff happened and Piper Laurie's in it and it was all right, you know. What was the movie? You didn't even break it up. Uh, it's called Ruby. You can find it on Amazon Prime and you can watch it at 435 in the morning and drift off in your recliner halfway through it and write down the name that you watched it anyhow to reference later. And then later, maybe possibly bring it up on your uh Hit podcast, Death by DVD, or whatever your hit podcast is called. We just have a podcast. Hey, we got a download from Serbia last month. So, I mean, we're we're popping. You know, they're ducking and dodging bullets and listening to us. There's the one guy in India. Like Jerry Lewis, we are, uh, I guess, liked more in Europe. We're oh, <laughs> we're accepted in Europe, just like Jerry typical Lewis. elitist attitude, Hank. <laughs> yeah, c- compare ourselves to Jerry Lewis. That's the elitist thing to do. We, we're elitist. Uh, we're very big in Europe. Yeah, but we're when just, you say it like Jerry Lewis for an American audience, we just are. 
Yeah, I don't think I was implying um, any any form of intelligence. I don't know why Jerry Lewis is successful in France. It does say something about the French's character. We don't we're not very popular there, though. There's there's a lot of American. I mean, we're very popular in our home country in the United States where Ruby from 1977 was shot. Oh, way to bring it back there, Hank. (laughs) What a segue back into something that you have no knowledge to talk about with. Well, I could have I was going to talk about cruising because I've watched that like three times last week. I think I just referenced it um, because we were talking about William Friedkin and what a guy he is. But I mean, cruising, it's a cruise. All right, it's a homoerotic slasher. It's it's very cutting edge for its time, and I think it features a, a level of 42nd Street sleaze that somehow made it into mainstream. And I brought this up with Bug, that Friedkin has this way of taking control away from you as a director. And there's just something about cruising where you, you just feel like you've completely lost control. And it's kind of remarkable that this guy... You know, not just once, but multiple times throughout his career has had the ability to to do something like that. So it makes me further want to evaluate and really dig into Friedkin because he's got uh, he's got a sloppy, um, very you know, sloppy. Career. So it's funny to kind of, you know, go back and look at some of these like this for all intents and purposes, uh, cruising. Man, it, it really feels like a just gritty, gritty slasher movie. It almost has like an Argento feel because it's very, I mean, it takes place in the California gay community. So it's very neon. It's very flashy. It's got a lot of sex appeal. Um, although very homoerotic sex appeal, which makes some people uncomfortable. And I think was one of Friedkin's big points with the movie is making you feel uncomfortable with this culture that you might otherwise have no knowledge of. But at the same time, it is very, um, you know, a, a awful depiction. And, it, you know, it got a lot of, it doesn't look very positive yeah. on the gay community at times. And it's a perception of a certain, you know, uh, subculture like punks or metalheads inside the gay community. But the way Friedkin decided to present things was like, this is how everyone is, which was a bit, um, I guess, on the nose and offended a lot of people. But at the same time, it, it delivered one hell of a performance by Al Pacino. And it's a great movie. Check out Cruising. Pretty sure it's on Tubi and Ruby from 1977 that I know nothing about outside of it being directed by Curtis Harrington is available on Amazon Prime. Oh, Welcome well. You brought it back around. So I don't know how. Cruising anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this week I watched some stuff, some new stuff, some new Earth stuff. I watched a. I'm just going to talk about one though, because I'll save the rest of them for another episode. But uh, I watched a movie on Netflix called Fractured. I think it's 2019. Um, it stars Sam Worthington. I don't know the guy from Terminator Salvation and Avatar. Is that the guy's name? I never remember that guy's name. I don't know. All I remember is reading an article that apparently before making Avatar, he was just living in his car. And I imagine after making Avatar, he returned to it. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's like one of those like British or Australian. He's from New Zealand. I think he's one of of those actors who like has like done. He does accent cover all the fucking time. He always plays an American. And correct me if I'm wrong. He always just kind of has like short brown haircut, undescript guy. Yeah, he he just has one of those faces that's very easily confused with 50 other kind of somewhat in shape, kind of handsome fellas. Well, in this film, he does a. um I don't know, Boston or New York accent, I think is what he's attempting. Really, what I think he's attempting is American working man accent, because that's what he's doing the entire time. Mark Wahlberg, essentially. Kind of. It's just like, well, I'm a construction worker. 
that kind of thing. It's like, oh, my God, this is so he's not very good in the film because he's kind of a bad actor. But the movie revolves around a guy who's in a kind of a troubled marriage. They have a child together and him and his daughter get uh, injured and they go to a hospital and his daughter and his wife go. Like oh, yeah, I've avoided watching skin. this for weeks. I've watched the unnecessarily long trailer for it, and it's one of those things that it's like, I'm going to have to pay attention to this movie. So oh, I've avoided You don't. Oh, well. You don't have to pay attention. Deceptive. But, um, but it goes into a whole thing of, is what he's seeing reality or is it not reality? Uh, you know, kind of the, the bait and switch of what's going on the entire time. And as far as this movie goes, um, what they're like, the reality they're presenting of like the um, or it could this all be in his head, the reality of or what's in his head is way more interesting than what the reality is, what's happening in the film, where it flips you at the end of what's really been going on. That sucked. I would almost had rather it had been just like, no, this incredibly weird, long, stupid plot about what's going on in this hospital, which at the end of the day, I will tell you, it doesn't take long to figure it out uh, is like, Organ uh, thievery, like they're stealing people's okay. organs, maybe in this hospital. That's uh, funny because one of the reasons I've avoided watching this is when you, you know, sit through that unnecessarily long trailer. If you've watched something on Netflix, that's pretty much the gist. Like, oh, well, it's it's gonna be some like organ thieve thing, you know, or maybe sex. That was slavery. more interesting. It was more interesting than where it ultimately goes because they have to have the flip your plot and they flip you at the end. See, you have you noticed? Flipped. That it seems like most of the new thriller and horror Netflix movies of this last year. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, M. Night Shyamalan started something very bad in the late 90s, and it's prolificated and continued on, where it's like people aren't satisfied unless they got tricked. Because ultimately, it's not about what movie I sat through. It's, well, how did it, like, how did it end? Did it, like, turn everything around and go, aha. But you just again. brought up something. It's it's what movie I just sat through, what you mean, what most people sat and fucked off on Facebook for the entire time and then wanted a big shocking ending, and that's what they caught because that's all that really matters to people now is, the end of that movie was fucking cool. I didn't expect it. Yeah, because you've been on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, check Tumblr, your email three times, and then you bought three things off of Amazon while the movie was on. So, well, yeah, of course the ending is all you caught. Yeah, You looked up at the last minute, you prick. Oh, yeah, most of this has been boring, but then uh, everything they showed me was a lie, and that's what made it interesting when I realized it was a lie. And it's one of those, and it's not terrible. It's just kind of workmanlike and somewhat boring. And I did, like, very little research on it at the, um, after I watched it and realized that the director is Brad Anderson, and he is famous for directing Session 9 and The Machinist, uh, as well as a few other things. But those are I was going to say, like, that, that's... Movies. No, that's a pull-in for me because I really, really like. I like Session Nine. Um, uh, visually, I think the Machinist is really, really cool, and I, I think Christian Bale is insane. Uh, otherwise, Have you seen Session Nine and the Machinist. No, that's what I was saying. I really like Session Nine, but I think um, the Machinist visually is really, really attractive. I love how it looks. I love how it's filmed, but I don't really care for the story or the twist or what happens. As to where Session Nine, I really, really liked. But his Here's look and his style as a director, and with even Session Nine included, because it is kind of dark and dreary, I really like how he makes movies look. So I, I like his movies per se. 
Well, fractured is gray and dull. It doesn't even look. Yeah, like I, it doesn't um, have that kind of. He's sim, he kind of has that like cinescope style to things, where it's very grainy and but not David Fincher esque. It's it's got its own quality to it, and that's what I liked about Session Nine is that it kind of had this almost remarkable dreamlike look to it and then once you get the whole twist rooney and what's going on it makes sense that of course it was looked like through a haze because you don't really know what the character's mind is at or whatever I but okay like i i don't mind session nine on the machinist i think they're like pretty decent movies overall actually i kind of like both of those movies the problem i have with this film is is session nine and the machinist put together and mashed into one plot basically with it less talent like, yeah, well, I mean, the writer was Alan B. McElroy, who um, most people I mean, like, know from uh, writing Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers. Um, I mean, acting-wise, with The Machinist and uh, Session 9, he had a pretty great cast. Well, I mean, this, well, I mean, that could help in this film a little bit, but it's just, it's literally like sections of those two plots put together in this film, and it goes in kind of a similar direction as both of those films go with the ending. I'm amazed he didn't write it and someone else did because it's just like, this is what you've done before. How did you end up directing this other than I guess somebody said, well, he he did movies similar to this before. He can do another one. It's just like, oh, my God, it's the same thing. Or he's one of those guys who's got his name on a list of, you know, uh, can direct or has these scripts sent to him. And, you you know, I can do this. I'm going to pick this because I can fucking adequately do it and get a paycheck because a lot of these guys like we have discussed with uh, like Lucio Fulci, this isn't a bad thing. A lot of these guys are guns, so they've made movies you really like, but they, for all intents and purposes, just want to make movies and will make whatever they're comfortable with. So, I mean, like you, I, you don't know the backstory. I don't know the backstory of why he, he directed this, but that's always a chance too. but sometimes people like take that like a, a, an example, like if Jeremy Solnier just fucking made some random movie, which he pretty much did with his last film, and it was just, I don't know, a teen comedy. You can't take it personal, like, oh, fuck this guy. Of course, yeah, he, he's a sellout. You could call him whatever you want to. But when you love something that is inherently made for money, which like most of Lucio Fulci's movies were to his eyes, you can't hate somebody for doing it. Well, I don't hate the man. I, just don't well, I mean, you, that. I mean, in like general, you know, the the radio people, the shadow people. I don't know who listens to the show. The Finnish, oh, whatever. <laughs> but the Germans. My listening. whole point was. It is not a terrible movie at all, but it is very much business as usual. So, I mean, if you no go party into in the it back. thinking one thing, it's not going to flip you at the end because it's it's pretty obvious where this is going and it does go there. And it's just like, uh, all right. It's just, I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of bored with the um, the twist shock ending. Can we just have a movie that plays out? Does it have to have a, a fucking twist? Can you just not have a twist for once? I mean, getting your organs stolen or organ trafficking is pretty horrifying, straightforward. So, I mean, that's a whole it's ballpark. It's too straightforward for people, though, at this point, because that's how do I make that cinematic? And the answer is, well, you put a twisting ending in it and you don't because that's just how it's done now. Yeah, but I mean, you you could make it cinematic. I mean, I hate just throwing a name out there, but we talked about Coppola last week. Like uh, in 1974, Francis Ford Coppola could have made a movie just about stealing organs. Uh, here's a even better example. I can't think of who directed it, but Snuff, comparable somewhat to Eight Millimeter, but uh, George C. Scott movie. No, that's not correct. It's called. Uh, it's not Snuff. 
No, Snuff is uh, Robert. No, Snuff Robert is Findlay. the Findlay. Well, they did the. No, first you're talking about hardcore. Hardcore, yeah. Paul it's Schrader. Snuff, the Paul Schrader movie, yeah. Snow. Who ended up directing or taking the credit for um, Snuff though? Because the Findlay started it, didn't somebody? No ones. So it's just like an Alan Smithy sort of thing. It's no just a, I'm pretty sure it's just a made up fucking name. I think yeah. like the Findlays are on it at this point. Because they did most of the shots and then the, the whole twist again. There's a movie mentioning twist that has a, a big shocking ending, but it turns out the ending's actually the only worthwhile thing about watching Snuff. But um, hardcore, it, it's not really got this like, you know, like eight millimeters somewhat comparable with the subject matter, the other Nick Cage movie. But it's about a guy looking for his daughter who's probably died in a snuff film. And that's all it's about. It didn't have to have a twist. There was no supernatural thing going on here. There was no ulterior motives. That's what it was about. And you had a commanding performance from George G. Scott. And then you had a really, really good writer responsible for the movie. Uh, Paul Schrader did Taxi Driver. I mean, he, he knows what to do behind a pen so he can fucking really derive characters. Especially What's the difference when the director? The difference in uh, that movie is... Well, and besides all that, I mean, the difference is that is a movie about adults starring adults, and we don't do adult movies anymore. We do yeah. even the quote-unquote adults in most films now are people who are in their 30s or maybe like maybe mid-40s. Your wife is probably – the casting agent is going to cast somebody 10 years younger than you anyway – um, and we're just going to have some weird fantasy life. And like, I think that's the obsession with like Gen Xers is they still think they're fucking kids. You're not a kid. You're an adult. It's OK to like like adult things that aren't goddamn Star Wars and Nintendo. There, it really is. It's OK to become an adult and enjoy like politics and, you know, things that can get a little deeper than I really like Nintendo I'm going to decorate my house with Mario well, I mean, stuff. You're 45 fuck, fucking years old. Even to an extent of dumbing things down, you know, like watch a baseball game. I don't know. Maybe you'll like it. But at the same time, I, I love the idea of people having their cake and eating it. But the problem is people uh, become their cake. That it's not just enough of, well, I have my cake and I get to eat it, too. I'm 48 years old and I can go to fucking Star Wars land and it's great. They don't let it go that it's not just Star Wars. And I mean, I'm just using that as an overall term. People's love and, and conditioning with fandom sometimes becomes alarming to it's like, you know, the show's going to end and something or your whatever's going to end. And what's going to happen to you when this ends? And I'm not like trying to pick or, you know, a, a point at a certain channel and bitch about it for fucking six months about how bad the new Star Wars movies was. Yeah, but like, you know, like. <laughs> Well, that's what I mean. I'm not trying to, like, pick or, like, point at certain fandoms, but, like, uh, Game of Thrones fans. After all that bitching and anger and, what, a million people signing a petition, what 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 good did it do? What, what did it what, – what did all those videos of you just screaming, like, the leave Britney alone person, what good did that do for your eight seconds of fame? You didn't even contribute something uh, – I mean, because at least a review – can be looked at somewhat as as uh, art because somebody has taken the time to try and understand your art and whether it's positive or negative if you're not a cocksucker about what you have to say and you at least try to have i don't know some couth about it which i think we especially with this death by dvd reboot really try to have something to say about the movies that we pick uh why would you, why would you rather bitch and just say eh? Like, I'm just baffled by some people's absolute... It didn't make absolute... me feel the same way as it did when I was 12 years old. But yeah, because even... you're 40 fucking five, man. What do you expect? 
they're not even mad about that though. Like one of the recent things, just you know, and I, you don't use social media as much as I do, well at all. And I use Facebook, and I have friends and all sorts of fandoms, and I, you know, like. I like Nerdist. I like different pages. So I get all these different things. And I love reading comments. One, of, one way I love to spend my time is going through, and I usually pick Star Wars, Star Wars comments just to read, you know, these 47, 50-year-old guys screaming and, and calling each other slurs and fighting because the book they read 22 years ago isn't canon anymore, but it was slightly referenced in this new show with the baby. And it's just whatever. And it's just you know, a, a novel lens of people fighting and, and calling each other names and reporting each other and just meltdowns at, at like two in the afternoon business hours at fucking Tuesday where we're like, God, you've let this become you. You're so upset over this. You got your cake. You got to eat it, too. And now you fucking are it. Take a step back. Like, I'm into some stuff I'm really into. But at the end of the day, well, you, know what's you really gotta, funny? Like, turn the camera off. People were like really complaining about how like when Disney bought Star Wars, they got rid of all the canon novels and all that shit that was wrapped around it. Uh, hey, I got woes all day for you assholes. You know how many different canons there are for the Halloween series? There's like fucking four. So don't Bro. try to sit here and complain to me about fucking what's canon now and not canon. Who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. So, you know, it's not like trying to pick specifically on anyone. You know, Star Wars fans have always had their own, you know, place. And like Star Wars, Star Trek fans have always had a lot of intensity behind what they're super into. You don't have a lot of like crazy fandoms anymore. Like there's not a lot of rollerball people. You know, there's like 30 of us that are really into James Conn. There's four different canons for Halloween. Who cares? What's your favorite? What's my favorite canon Halloween for Halloween? Canon. Yeah, which one do you? I don't with? give a shit. I just watch the dumb movies, and I'm like, I, like what? You don't have an order though. Of them are terrible. There's not like if you were gonna sit down and show like somebody your order. order. Well, no, like, oh, I'm talking about like canon, as in canon, like uh, well, cult of now Florida there's only that. two Halloween films that actually exist because the other ones were written off with the new. It's like I don't give a fuck. There's a no. There's still fucking thirteen Halloween movies and. Whatever, watch them or don't. It doesn't matter if the hospital blew up or it didn't. I like it, it, who gives a shit. It's the same goddamn guy in a mask killing people. Who cares about the backstory at this point? I don't know. People are allowed to like what they're allowed to like, and that's not what my problem is. I think my problem is when you know you see somebody even like a, a newbie to the scene innocently comment, and then there's 47 comments of some grown ass man calling them awful racially insensitive names because they got fucking baby Yoda's name wrong. It's not baby Yoda. Yoda died of the Jedi. Yoda's dead. Oh my God. Just fucking calm down, man. Cut caffeine out of your diet or something. Fucking put the phone down. Chill out. Go watch Return of the Jedi or something. I well, don't know. If you're into memes and you know this uh, classic wrestling meme, God damn it, it's still real to me. That should tell you everything about uh, fandom in general. It's all just still so real to me. You're an old man. I mean, there's your fucking house payment, your taxes. Stop worrying about if a woman is in Star Wars. Who cares? Fuck off. Well, there's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, I I think is fun, you know, like um, recently. And it's been like the last six months. 
people have just realized, hey, I like the Sopranos and I know what memes are. And it's just become this boom of Sopranos memes. There's a bunch of Instagram pages you can follow, a bunch of Facebook pages nonstop all day. They're pumping out memes from this fucking dead show that's completely over. Same guy's responsible for the Sopranos con, which uh, I even wanted to attend and I fucked myself and didn't go. Should have gone to it. Looked like a blast and ended up being this you What's know, massive play at those things. God, I'd love it. Just wearing a fucking members only jacket with some Gabagool stains all over you, smoking a cigarette, drinking scotch, pinky rings. I'd be in heaven. It'd be great. Oh, my God. But like, you know, this and it's become its own new fandom after it died. And it's essentially harmless. It's a bunch of people joking on their work breaks, sharing dumb Tony Soprano memes. Nobody's in the mafia that's that's behind this or doing anything. It's. Almost an innocent fun as to where you try to even join on a new level a a culture of something like Star Wars or Star Trek, and you're more assaulted for not knowing this 20 years worth of back novels like, well, this isn't canon anymore. Uh, Why does it matter? And you're just kind of left baffled by even why people like stuff. Like, what's the point? Where did you fall in love with this and stop falling in love with life or living, you know? Hey, there, there's a thing like when you're watching films, especially a film series, and then you see a bad movie in that series, you just go, yeah, I didn't like that very good, very much at all. I'm out. And that's what you do. Like, I still haven't seen Scream 4 because I have given no shits about a Scream movie since Scream 1. There's another end of that spectrum, too, though, and it's sometimes you watch a bad movie and you go, I should record a podcast about it. And you sit down and you pick a night and you do it. And you sit down and you watch four goddamn terrible movies that you only the the only stipulation for picking them was, well, no one's ever heard of this before. I don't even think that was initially the stipulation. It just became that was my stipulation. That's where I came from. I was like, I'm just going to pick a bunch of stuff I've never seen before that is super rare that you can like find VHS dupes on YouTube. That just like I was, dude, you like dodged some bullets because there was like some shot on video Australian thing that it was almost a possibility. Like they just really lost VHS things from the 80s and 90s. That's that's the premise of what we're doing. And this episode will feature uh, the second movie in Death by DVD history I was unable to finish. And I even can't remember the name of the first one. It was that weird Bigfoot romance with Eric Roberts. What? <laughs> I swear to God, we, we did it at some point. I think it was during the Canadian episode. It's like this woman falls in love with Bigfoot on an island. Tanya's Island, maybe. Oh, Tanya's Island. Tanya's Island. To do with fucking Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts is not in that movie. No, no. Dee Dee Winters was vanity. That's maybe about I it. thought Eric Roberts was Bigfoot. He was Mick Garris wrote it. Oh, I don't know. That's weird. Well, yeah, I somehow still managed to get the name. I never finished that, and we'll get to it at some point. But one of the movies on tonight's show, I I, I just and it wasn't because it's like, oh, it's so bad I couldn't finish it. I tried to watch this like four different times on like four different substances, and I just kept, I don't know. We'll get to it. For anyone out there who like watches a lot of YouTube's big red letter media fan. They have best of the worst and they tend to make a show out of like, you know, terrible movies and they pick what was the best movie out of all these terrible movies. And this is not that because they usually like actually 
pick movies that you can make jokes about or interesting in some way. I mean, sometimes they got some stinkers on there, but whatever. These are four movies that this is going to be a short show because I don't even know what to talk about most of them because the plots aren't even interesting. Nothing interesting particularly happens to them, and they're just kind of fucking lame. Yeah, it started off probably with the most exciting thing being a weird consumerism, uh, anti, I don't know, everything rant. And then it's just this. Like I that I think I even texted you at one point of like what or what what do we connect what do we do here, so you know we've got stuff I mean literally. Well, I mean, some of okay. them like I I don't like it's not that there's no cultural importance with some of these movies, but it's no, there really that, isn't. There's but you get like it, it's just so much stuff is lost, and you get this itch that like I gotta see everything, and that means at some point everything, and there's just this. Mass collective now with streaming of of just shit that has been you know never released before, never released in the United States, or you know uh, was only printed on test screeners, and all of these options slowly are leaking forward as the digital age gets you know more and more intense and literally becomes Videodrome. And you sit down and you're like, oh, okay, this is a lost movie. It's never been seen. It's hard to find. So you you assume that there's going to be some <laughs> at least face level. Uh, redeemability for it and you you get through it and it's like well i completely understand why this didn't get past the test printing okay well i know a lot of them got released to maybe some limited theaters and then they died their death on the vhs maybe there's a dvd out there but it's a very low number produced dvd i doubt any of them are on blu-ray they might have special editions at some point but for all extensive purposes most of these movies pretty much got dumped to vhs and then died I definitely yeah, could didn't see have high print numbers. I could see Vinegar Syndrome putting probably all of these out. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, oh, well, yeah. maybe, maybe I can't think of um, David DeFalco's company, but he definitely would put out a lot of these. Oh, well, I, I was gonna a little David DeFalco plug there. Ooh, you follow What's... him on Facebook. You, I'm not. I, I don't have any comments because I'm not gonna shit talk people. But if you follow David DeFalco's company on Facebook, he is a intense fella. <laughs> okay he's an interesting guy uh dark dark force dark force entertainment is uh david defalco he did chaos sage stallone movie you know where they cut the nipple off it's the last house on the left uh he runs dark force entertainment they're you know i'm not they go to war uh, on live stream videos a lot with vinegar syndrome and uh apparently they like to think they're the next biggest underground releasing label next to Vinegar Syndrome and put out the greatest quality stuff, which uh, we've talked about it a lot and mentioned them before, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to hell with the statement, Vinegar Syndrome puts out the greatest quality fucking niche releases. For, for weird shit, if you want a really great quality of lust in the dust, they're your people. That's right up your alley. Well, they definitely go for the weirder end of the spectrum. Hmm. Let's just go ahead and start with like one of the first selections, and we're going to go with a movie from 1989 called Blood Nasty. And I am very surprised because even in the IMDb trivia, it says this movie was only released in Europe um, and like maybe Japan. Uh, it did not get an American release. And for who directed it, who stars in it, and like generally what it is, I'm very surprised it didn't get any sort of VHS release in America. 
Um, uh, it's it, got that weird familiarity that you really feel like you've seen it before, just specifically because of all the things you you said. So it it is sort of odd that like I almost swear Joe Bob's done this before. He certainly hasn't, but it just has well, that feeling to it. It was co-directed. I don't remember one of the director's names, but one of the directors on it is Richard. I can never pronounce his name. Gabby got. Gabby, goodbye. I think goodbye. Maybe he um he directed Virgin High, uh, Hot Another Collar, which I have some weird nostalgia for, and I actually think has some okay humor in it. Um, he was in Assault of the Party Nerds. He's in Nightmare Sisters. He's the uh, he was in a band called the Checks, who did the music. He did the pop music for uh, Blood Nasty Hank. All the music that's playing in it. The um, most unforgettable thing will be the ending credit theme song, Blood Nasty. It'll get stuck in your head for a good day. Um, but he was a kind of a force in 80s and early 90s filmmaking. He was friends with Linnea Quigley, who's in this movie. Um, but, like, you know, one of those David Dakota regulars, and he was in, uh, like, Rick Sloan movies. There's a particular group of actors and actresses and people who in the 80s were just kind of all making movies over a couple of week period and this is what this seems like is we've got like a house to shoot in we've got film we have a general idea for a script and like let's just try to get this done with not many special and shooting effects. porn all day then you shoot b movies all night well i mean it's it's something close to that because like um like rick sloan directed hobgoblins and vice academy uh you know everybody knows david dakota stuff but like all these people would pop up in like everyone else's productions. They would all just kind of circulate in the same sort of general area and a lot of direct to video trash in the era. And that's why I'm surprised that this one I've never heard of before is because like, I mean, there were literally hundreds of these movies from these people. And this one just kind of slipped through the cracks, probably because it's not very interesting and doesn't really contain anything that you could sell as a movie. But it's mildly palatable. I mean, it's got, <laughs> I'm probably using this word wrong. It's got integrity, but not a lot. I mean, there's a, a chance for it to have soul, but it, it really transcends into one of those. Am I watching a porn? I mean, and a lot of that is Linnea's fault because she's nude throughout all of her performance up until the end. So uh, not a lot's going on. You've got a lot of weird characters, though, like uh, Catherine Grace plays the really, really foul fucking mom and... um. Okay, I will say probably the best joke in the movie is her ending where she just keeps driving around the suburb and getting lost in the cul-de-sacs. I kind of giggled at that. I thought it was an okay little bit. More of that would have been great. But like, that's what I mean. The big star in this movie is Troy Donahue, for Christ's sakes, who like his career died at death in the 80s and 90s. He just kind of would pop up in this kind of junk all the time, and he's barely in it. But the general plot here is of guy is helping some other guy dig up the body of some notorious serial killer who who does a bad Mexican accent. And then he gets a ring and becomes that serial killer. And then comes back to his family who have gotten a insurance payout because they thought he died on a plane crash, but he didn't. I never really figured out all that shit and what the plane crash had to do with anything other than getting them the money. But, and then through the rest of the movie, he like goes in and out of being part of that family or being the Mexican drug lord fucking guy doing the bad Colombian accent. The Mom, I think Danny has a multiple personality problem. 
Yeah, and really what like makes this movie fail more than anything is they didn't have a plot. They had a very shoestring thin plot and continued on to try to do something with it. What inevitably ends up being a lot of interiors in the same house, people sitting on a couch doing lines, people at a dinner table doing lines, people in this bedroom doing it's like I mean it's kind of like um Slumber Party Massacre 2 where you really don't have a set. You have one location to shoot on and you make the most of it. We've got this house for this amount of time or it's my house or whatever. So it just all takes place in a house, in a backyard, all the same shit over and over again. So that's really where you lose the thread is you don't even go any place. You just are going through this contrived plot with these, albeit most of the time, not very good actors. But I will say most of the actors in this one for this level did an okay job. Linnea was fine. I mean, it wasn't really bad like some of the other movies produced by like this particular group of people. One of my favorite, or I guess I'd rather say my favorite scene is with Richard and Linnea, and Richard is possessed by the serial killer, Mexican serial killer Blade, so he's doing this awful Mexican oh, that's accent. Not Richard. Oh, that, that's Danny's Richard. No, okay. Uh, who's Well, he's who's the possessed one. Oh, shit. I can't remember. So one of the guys is possessed, and he's having this conversation with Linnea Quigley, and he's possessed by this Mexican. And so he's doing this awful Mexican accent, and uh, he's trying to convince Linnea, and of course it's me, and he ends up telling her the story of him cutting off a man's testicles and forcing her to eat them. And that's instantly, oh, God, it must be you. Nobody else would know that story. And then it just, you know, pin drop goes right back into this nonsensical story of possession. I thought it was hysterical. Uh, somewhat psychotic, but nonetheless, charming. Like I mean, like the um, the guy who's possessed with the spirit, he has a pipe stuck in him the whole movie, which is kind of explained of how it got there, but it never explains of yeah, because Danny unscrews that- it. So yeah, it's Richard yeah. plays Danny. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, why pulling that pipe out is the thing that can kill him when nothing else has been able to kill him. And there's no real special effects in the movie. They're all like very much like. No, we're not doing any sort of um, there's well, no any, budget for that. No, there's no budget for it. You're not doing any appliances, really. You're just doing some basic like out of the box makeups. Um, and it's just all so cute and trying to be funny that so much of it doesn't work. I do like the rock and sounds of the checks. That's that's one of the best things about the movie is that the bad 80s music. But. I miss the era where everything had a soundtrack like that would be a great thing to have a comeback if you could, you know, every single movie had its own little rock and beat, you know, because you could get Cardi B or Miley Cyrus or whomever, you know, is the flavor right now to to do your song and happen a little thing, you know, a happening little thing. I like Nothing it. about blood nasty is happening a little thing. Mm, yeah. Like, are we going to rate these? Because I don't think Shit. anything's going to go over a one. Probably not. I mean, the biggest problem with this one I, is I do enjoy most of the people who are involved, but nothing about it's interesting. Nothing about the story is interesting. The jokes are all really bad. I used to be like maybe if I saw this when I was like 10 years old on like USA up all night, I might have more of like some nostalgia or affinity for it. But it's just no one ever saw it at all. It's just so dull. Unfortunately, it's one of those things I otherwise would never tell anyone to watch, except I'm doing a whole podcast suggesting people watch it and making them aware of it. So it's like a crossroads like uh, it it exists. 
Blood Nasty. It's got Linnea Quigley. So if you're a perfectionist and have to see every film of her entire career, uh, go for it. And you might be able to find this one like now that it's kind of been rediscovered the last maybe five years or so, maybe five to ten years that there's probably some Blu-ray company that's put it out at this point. But I don't know why other than it was just never available in America. That's I mean, maybe that. Well, there's got to be a transfer to it, or there's got to actually be the film to it in existence somewhere. But yeah, it's boring as fuck. That's the only like that's the best review I can give you. It is boring as all fuck. It's not really funny. The nudity even gets tedious because after a while, it's like, God damn, Linnea, put on something. And then she makes the most ridiculous sandwich. Like, have you ever made a sandwich before? Has Linnea Quigley ever made a a single sandwich? Because I don't think she has, judging by this movie. Well, I mean, we'll talk about the level of filmmaking here. When um, Troy Donahue gets beat to death with a baseball bat, he falls behind a couch, and I, like the actor just starts swinging at a nothing behind the the couch, and the bat raises up. It's not covered in blood. They're like, there's literally no special effects. It's all like off-screen kills for the most part, and some fake blood occasionally. The job was done. It was successful, but unfortunately, nobody cared. And unless you lived in the UK, then maybe you cared. I don't know. I don't or even maybe know if it's like, available in English-speaking countries. Yeah, all the posters seem like it was released in maybe Indonesia. Yeah, some. I don't know. I've never seen like a poster that wasn't um, in some language I really didn't understand with characters that I don't understand. So I guess it's time to boot, scoot, and boogie into our next uh, travesty of a movie. Oh, what do you want to talk about next, Tank? Which one of these movies? Oh, I, I really like one of them, so I guess we should save that for an exciting... Oh, that, that's going to be a war on that one. I enjoyed uh, it. Let's talk about Chameleons. 1990 by uh, Mike Anderson, the guy that did Alone in the T-Shirt Zone, which if I recall, I had I gave it a, an okay review. I mean, I, just talking about it again now, I, 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 get, I won't say I like it. It's not one of those movies that you can really say you like. I thought it was very, very bizarre and unsettling. And it, it I mean, the movie begins with an incapacitated man being raped by his doctor and then turns into this spiraling, bizarre story about somebody triggered by a T-shirt. Uh, literally. And Chameleons is somewhat close to it, but it's bizarrety. I mean, like once well, I saw it was Mike Anderson who did this, who also um, you might know his name from The Simpsons. He, he directed and did a lot of golden era Simpsons. Once I, I knew it was him, I think I kind of expected uh, a lot more bizarrety than than what I ended up getting. What you do have is this movie was written by. um Oh, I can't remember his actual name now. Because Robert Hisai, right? But no, 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 no. That's not the writer. It's um, fuck it. I can't remember the uh, his his actual name because I always knew him as Doctor Howell from um, the Church of the Subgenius. He was a one of the founders of the Church of the Subgenius, and like he's in the movie, isn't he? He's, yeah, he the, plays yeah. The, the the professor, the the scientist who triggers the entire event, and that's probably the, like the more important thing of why the movie is like the weirdness that it does has comes from him. If you know anything about the church of the Subgenius, look it up. Um, Harry S. Robbins, right? Yes. Harry S. Robbins. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Dr. Hal. That's all I know. Dr. Fucking Hal. Harry Um, S. Robbins. So, um, that's the important thing is I get to talk about the church of the Subgenius. It was a very interesting thing going on in the eighties about tax exempt status and just having fun. 
But um, well, yeah, it you still know, exist. But I, I just don't it, think people take things yeah. as seriously anymore. That everything has become such, as we were discussing at the beginning of the show, either between your fandom or literally your lack of giving a shit about things because you're pessimistic and live constantly on Facebook behind a screen. You just don't care enough. Like, oh, yeah, it was, it was a thing. It was funny. Like, no, it's still a thing. You can contribute to it. There's still writing and literature and people doing stuff outside of your fucking Samsung. It's just not really at the levels that it was. And because people don't contribute. Well, yeah, I mean, even the founders of it aren't contributing to the level they used to just because it's they're also old. Yeah, I mean, it mostly exists to sell T-shirts at this point, which is not a bad thing. It's just like it's it's just a cute little thing, but it's not like kind of the cultural phenomenon it used to be in like the early 90s. I'm just bitchy tonight, man. I'm just fucking like, man, I'm Hank. I don't like stuff and things like I mean, <laughs> and it's it's not that like that's my angle. Like, I love plenty of stuff and I, I enjoy things. And, I, you know, I'm a big advocate of, of crap. Like I have a massive Funko Pop collection of not anything specific, just uh, some Sons of Anarchy, some Big Lebowski. I got the uh, the groundhog from fucking Caddyshack. And it's big. It's awesome, man. I got Daryl on his motorcycle from The Walking Dead. I buy into stupid consumerism stuff. I'm just especially spicy, I guess, because nothing's fun anymore. Like our whole angle and what we're trying to do with, you know, these movies is hey, we're just talking about some stuff we haven't seen. You haven't seen it. It's some stuff. There's the angle. There's no like a room to be cranky about it. And like Baby Yoda, I feel there's no goddamn room to be cranky about it. But there's just a lot of spicy 47-year-olds that have rubbed me the wrong way this week while I've been awake at 2 in the morning reading comments about Star Wars on Facebook. <laughs> so, you know, this is where we're at. Chameleons, on the other hand, uh, is somewhat relevant the, to Baby Yoda. K, and it's not chameleons. Like, well, it's, it's, it's chameleon. K-A and millions as in the million. amount of money. Not as in the lizard, but it's a double entendre with the, the actual but, word itself. They'll also kill millions if the house blows up because half the world will die. So, you know, it's it's all this wrapped into one. Sounds alluring, right? Well, like the movie itself does not make a whole lot of sense. Um, it's art directed incredibly well. Um, it takes place in a mansion and a professor. Uh, doing what did I, I texted you something I thought was somewhat apt. I should have remembered. Oh, yeah. It's like weird science and gremlins, but it's like the AV club in high school made weird science and gremlins. And it does have kind of that super, like, late 80s patina on it, um, where it also kind of feels like an episode of uh, Beverly Hills 90210, in a way. But, what I mean, that's beside the point. Because um, the story itself is just about, a, like, this professor working on a trans-dimensional device and aliens coming over and doing weird shit in the family <laughs> that's mostly it because <laughs> it doesn't really go anywhere well i guess they're uh, like little weird like termite fucking bug aliens so they don't have a lot of fun so this one takes over what the count of lichtenstein or something completely the cousins bizarre. of the family it's like a body snatchers type scenario yeah so he takes over and is just exploring the realm of what humans can do outside of being a tiny little bug guy so it's not that he's necessarily evil he's just incredibly devious and is trying to figure out what sex is and it's just having fun fucking with people because he's a little bug and bugs don't get to do it and then the alternate of that is the horny son character fantasizes over this post 
booster and that becomes another bug that comes through to try and stop the other bug who essentially he just fucks a weird bug is what I took from the story. <laughs> well, I mean, it, yes, the one bug becomes like a hot poster model and then like wackiness ensues because apparently, yes, it's trying to figure out how to be human. And a lot of the people I love who the were trying to sister. Like, we were trying like to do a, that whole sequence what? where they introduce the girlfriend character and the goth sisters. Like, is this just something I'm not in on? Just random chick all in black. No explanation. Absolutely no writing, no reaction. It's not even dinner theater. It's like, you know, practice rounds. It, it does nothing even seems real. Like even 90210, it seems like a bunch of extras from Saved by the Bell. Well, I mean, a lot of it. See, I could make a reference here that no one would understand. It reminds me a lot of this movie called The Nut House that Scott Spiegel got fired off of. It, it's that same similar type of humor where it's a heightened reality. Was he fired for trying to do a shot from an inanimate object? No, he was fired for being totally unreliable and not shooting enough footage throughout the day, but that's beside well, the point. But, I mean, it's, it's just... Scott. It, this ends up being a bunch of weird vignettes of this alien interacting with people and, like, controlling their environment using, like, basically magical powers to do things. And... Um, like fucking a, a TV preacher to death. That's that's a thing that happens. Well, he turns it? his dick into a dragon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. At the end of the movie, it undragon. Like there's just bizarre stuff. And all of it seems like stuff the guys from Monty Python came up with and decided to scrap. Like, no, this isn't funny. Let's not use it. And somebody found all the crumpled up notes and made a fucking movie out of all of it. And it's not like. Uh, you know, trashing the writers or anyone involved in it because all of it coming together has a, a somewhat cheeky, charming. There it's is cool. charm I, like I don't want to. Yeah, like I don't want to keep throwing like fucking hallmark phrases at it, but charming probably is a good one to focus on because it, it, it's it's not that it's redeemable. Like this was a one and done, and I don't know why I watched this. I watched this movie three goddamn times, three fucking times. Just I don't know because it's one of those things I don't think I'll ever watch again, which is sort of a sentiment for me because I watch the same thing repeatedly just to get, I don't know, a taste for it. But I just had a hard time even wondering, like, how did anyone working on this project see it to the end of the day? Well, I mean, like the, the things that work in it are, I mean, there's a kind of a John Waters heightened sense of reality. The, uh, the, the art and the design of everything is fairly well done and kind of a hyper reality. I mean, like a per like there's some kind of like almost Beetlejuice type things going on. I don't mean ghosts or spirits. I'm just talking about like a lady gets turned. Um, into not a even bug. like yeah, like like Beetlejuice before like when it first starts haunting and almost the environment of when um you know they move into the house and they turn into that weird Art Deco Danny Elfman just like that weird Tim Burtonish environment. Yeah. It doesn't even have a it's not even a Tim Burtonish feel. It just has sort of a You've seen it before, almost like a deja vu feeling, but as it unfolds, it just, I don't know, it just seems like late night fucking Another static. bad reference. Yeah, it's, um, it seems like what you, how, like... How about this? It reminds me a lot of something like Meet the Hollowheads. I was going to go with, like, a, a terror vision, but, like, a... Same a deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, just very... Because, like, Meet the Hollowheads and Terror Vision are both really redeemable movies. I can talk about Terror Vision all night long. I think it's a fantastic movie. I also really like Meet the Hollowheads, too. It's a big full moon movie that I, I rarely will talk nicely of because I'm not a huge uh, full moon fan. But there's just something with Chameleons missing. Like, all of it pushed together, all of it edited is one big thing. I don't know. And then the well, movie ends with, like, well, 
everything's kind of okay. We pulled Dad out of the thing and we shoved the weird guy back in and, and let's boogie. If it tells you anything, there is, um, according to the writer, there is a 120-something minute print of this that's a much better print that was not released. Yeah, because the editor got edited down. Yeah, but it's something ridiculous, too. Like, the editor was used to pretty much doing, like, Hong Kong action movies and had little to no experience with something of this nature, so they just tried their darndest. So what that leaves me thinking is this is – Probably the most coherent, formidable cut of this movie and the other version is just going to be even more extended wacky nonsense because you had somebody that <laughs> wasn't familiar with this trying to make it coherent. So, I mean, and I, it, it's like the whole point of this, again, is we're talking about stuff that, uh, you know, hasn't really been seen or you and I haven't seen is a little bit more esoteric. And a lot of the reasons these things haven't been seen isn't because they're like. These lost fucking gems. They're pretty bad. Well, this film, I can tell you right now, is because it had no market. Because that market had completely fallen apart at that point. That Beetlejuice heightened reality. Is, I mean, because even something like Meet the Hollowheads was kind of a lost film. Yeah, you had like so, 87 to like like 89. 90 even was, and this was 1990, was just kind of shooting a little bit too late. Yeah, and people weren't interested in this kind of film anymore because it just it didn't resonate with them at all. It's It's... It seems almost like it's made for like college students who are interested in just making kind of wacky art. This could have, art. you know, been something like Evil Bong in the mid two thousands. A great stoner, you know, college movie it would have translated a lot better. It just falls kind of short. Which well, uh, I you would know, say this I, I is definitely probably the best movie out of all the ones. I'm calling this the best. It it formidably and and like palatably to watch and get through definitely is the most movie movie like it's the most sit down you could probably show this to your friends you can make it through it if you take this challenge i'll lay the challenge down now watch all these movies and send us a letter death by dvd official at gmail.com or facebook instagram us we'll read it on the show what did you think about chameleons or any of the other garbage picks that we have for the rest of the evening uh, but yeah, I can't disagree with you. It's not my favorite, but it's the most watchable, the best. It's the best looking movie. Um, and I'll just mention it again. Mike Anderson did uh, Tales from the T-Shirt Zone or Alone in the T-Shirt Zone. Alone in the T-Shirt Zone. Uh, uh, find that. You know, if you take anything. From I think millions, it's better than that. I personally. I, I, I'm not going to say it's better or worse, but I found Alone in the T-Shirt Zone to just be such an unsettling experience and bizarre movie that it's one of my very notables at the top of my list of things we talked about this year of man, that was a weird and that was just a, a very bizarre movie to sit through. So I implore you sit through it. Make it a double feature Alone in the T-Shirt this? Zone and Chameleons. Get on Google Images and just type in Chameleons and look at all the advertising products. With a K, though. For that movie, yes, and just that's the kind of movie you're in for because all the advertising for this movie, all the video boxes, all the posters are fucking weird as shit. So if you're into something like this, you might be into this movie. I would say it's the best movie of tonight. Also saying it's not very good. It's a little bit well, see, I, boring. Well, I guess we <laughs> can go into my, my favorite next because – or no, we'll do that last because um, it's not that I think it's the best movie on the list, what we'll end up ending the show with. It was just my favorite to watch. This certainly was the, like the most movie movie. I'll say that again because it's the only thing that really has a, a beginning, middle, and end that somewhat made sense. Where we're going into right now is what I, I mentioned earlier. I didn't finish this. 
tried. Ooh. Okay, so we've been picking out films for this. Hank was gonna pick out one. He's just like, I can't. I don't even like. I can't find anything. Well, uh, do we? Should we tell the audience the trick here of of what to do, of how to, how how they could do this on their own? Because oh you, yes, you got to go to YouTube and you find I one of these movies. In. Well, I mean, just for uh, um, like in general for them, you go to YouTube and you find one of these movies and you type it in. And while you're watching it, make sure you give it the thumbs up. And through the next week, every time you log in, you'll start seeing progressively, if you keep watching, more absolute random movies until you are just at your full of garbage all over. And there's no more music suggestions and your YouTube has been taken over by uh, this movie machine. I thought I was at the point that I was going to be able to just click something randomly and absolutely everything I went through was, you know, just stuff we've seen, stuff we've talked about, stuff that you uh, did on your former solo show. So I had to, you know, bow out. Well, I mean, the way I do like did this one was I typed in 80s VHS movie and there was a playlist that was like 467 videos. I don't know how it was. It was like Grindhouse Sleaze, Exploitation, blah, blah, blah. And I went. These are valuable was, trade secrets, people. This is like a million dollars. through. Look at years. Look at titles. I've never heard of this before. And this one, I literally just scrolled as fast as I could. And I stopped my thumb on my phone. And what did I hit was vampire nights with a k which is also i think i believe yeah it's from 88 and there's also an anime of the same name and you managed to pick a movie with robin rochelle or robin still <laughs> well this movie is a complete piece of fucking shit um i sat through the whole goddamn thing because i'm lovely and you're not um well, technically, I, I, I've sat through it three times. I just didn't watch good chunks of it all three times. And unfortunately, the chunks I did watch did not help me connect anything or make sense of what's going on. Now, I understand the movie, but I don't think it's maybe my fault. I am going to go ahead and say that you can best sum this movie up with a short review of um, Vampire Nights is Fright Night for fucking morons. Because that's basically what it is. Um, it's a lot of the same um, contributors as to something like Blood Nasty. It's that same circle of people who work together all the time. All the like the David Dakota actors. crowd. Yeah, I mean, I just usually refer to it as the Dakota crowd, but it's probably more of a Rick Sloan crowd. But whatever, it's pointless. This movie has three locations, a apartment, another apartment and inside of a van. And that is the only places it goes. And it is about a dude, who, um, a guy who starred in um, Creepazoids from David Dakota. He was in uh, Vice Academy. So if you, you see the kind of level of shit we're dealing with here. And he's obsessed with a horror host who is, I guess, on a um, public access. I'm going to heavily show. suggest it's public access. Because it's some dude in a fedora who keeps talking about the Vampire Nights uh, club he started because he shows a bunch of horror films and we got to kill vampires. He's showing Nosferatu and he's trying to sell these junk ass um, club memberships to people. And this one, well, he's loser. selling a junk ass club membership with a deadly weapon too. So with the crossbow, there's, yeah, there's some real like psychotic nature behind this. Like he's it's watching like a vampire nights. You I get a not- You'll get a neat pendant. You are an official vampire Dracula killer. trophy. It's and officially ne- called the Dracula trophy, Hank. 
and then I'll give you a lethal weapon. So anyone you suspect to be a vampire, you can fucking murder in cold blood. But then, no, see, you're giving it too much of an explanation of like it could be interesting. No, 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 no. This is not interesting because this guy has he's joined this club. He doesn't he cares nothing about girls anymore. He just wants to sit around and talk to his skull in his room like a ventriloquist dummy in his and then the neighbor from office space apparently is his roommate. Uh, I mean, just this fucking <laughs> glorious mullet head. And you've got then it enters into this like three stooges. We got to get pussy thing for this retard because he doesn't want to get laid. And it's just like dumping 80s humor, just a lot of inflammatory comments and, and pretty much just the likes of that. Just let's really party up 80s. Yeah. Typical 80s date rape humor. <laughs> the usual. But they go to a party and um, they meet three girls who appear at this party, except for the, the loser dude. He stays at home and practices vampire killing techniques. And they meet these three girls to take home with them at this party. Which, again, Ooh. you make it sound interesting. Like, no, 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 not, no. It's, it's not, not like not a cool, like, like Rocky Four thing of him training and music and a montage. It's him walking around a fucking poorly lit apartment. That's it's what bad. it is. They meet these girls at this party. It turns out they are vampires and they are in town. To investigate the vampires. Of course they are, because the movie had to fucking go somewhere. Yes, and they're there to... because It's not a Vincent Gallo flick. Up are, until are this they, point... Are they really... formidable foes for us? we got to figure out what, what this crew of vampire killers is all about, and it's just a bad TV show. That's the joke. Up until the vampiruses enter the uh, the movie, it's pretty much fucking Brown Bunny. It's like got the substance of, of that same movie. Like nothing happens whatsoever. It might as well be Vincent Gallo. Vincent Gallo driving around in his fucking truck. And then you get uh, Robin Still, Robin Rochelle and two others. And it's kind of it doesn't even enter like an erotic late night showtime or Cinemax level. You know, it's There's just nudity some- in it. Yeah, I it's, remember. it's just really, really dumb, borderline offensive at this point. Humor, horrible, horrible production value. Like, unfortunately, there are just hardcore fuck films with better quality and redeemability than this. That's just like no plot, just fuck porn, films. That's a porn, basically, is this kind of what this film? Well, people is, have a, a connotation in this issue that porns aren't good or porns are just fuck films. And, and that's just completely untrue that there are some really quality movies out there, even like Deep Throat, Debbie Does Dallas, Behind the Green Door. Some of the big about 70 shit, though, man. I, well, like, yeah, I'm but I'm talking like 80 shit, which is bottom of the barrel, no plot garbage. I mean, there is some OK 80s porns, though, like um, like Roger Watkins did some stuff in the 80s. I think Corruption is an 80s movie. There's some, there's some Jamie Gillis hardcore butt fucking porns that unfortunately have really good stories. There's some good horror porns from that same era, too. But a lot of it just gets lumped into, you know, big dick fuck films. And for the most part, when you say porn, that's what people think of, that they, you know, they don't take into consideration that there was a lot of work put into previously porn. There still is. I think it's an art. I'm talking about shot on video porn. Yeah, no, you're and I don't even care about because there's an films. there is an art to shooting people. Fuck. I'm not saying that, but porn is porn and plot is plot. I am not interested in a porn with a plot myself personally. But I mean, yeah, that's I'm what interested in taking the porn out of a lot of porns I like. Like I mentioned, um, like Corruption. It's a really good movie. I'd love to take all that butt fucking out and see how it looks, though. Maybe I'm yes. a, a weird prude, but I'd love to see Supercut without the porn. Yeah, that's all. There's, there's I mean, there was really a big thing. Um, 
a few years ago about um, they call her One Eye or Thriller finally coming out the full X-rated cut edition. And what does the X-rated cut mean? Um, all the hardcore inserts were put back in. So just weird inserts. Of- like, I guess this is a weird like discovery moment with your hosts on Death by DVD. But would we prefer the Black Emmanuel series recut without all the fucking? Yeah, it kind of looks like it. Like Emmanuel in the last. I'm just not. It's not erotic to me, and so what's the point of yeah. it being there at this point? It's not I mean, telling I, a story. It's just penetration. I get it for the sake of it being filmed, and that's what the point of the movie was for. And I don't think it should be cut for a purpose of censorship or editing it, or because I'm a. Pro- I'm fast forwarding that shit every yeah, time. I just you know if there's going to be nine anal scenes that are ten minutes apiece, all right. So there's going to be some ass fucking. It doesn't adhere to the plot. I get it. I understand. Unless somebody necessity wise has to walk with a limp and it's because of ass fucking, then I can scroll through this right. Cut it. And like you know, for all intents and purposes, you're making a porn. Please keep the ass fucking in because that's what you're making your money off of. Your bread and butter is that uh, sweet sweet sodomy. But you know, when I'm trying to watch something, it, it does get strenuous. And I'm sure, you know, to an extent, like where we're, I guess, we're forced going into the end of the show. This was something that was very strenuous for you. Is is the next movie something that? Oh, I, are we skipping over Vampire Nights? Or are you? Oh, are, you are we? I, I didn't know. We're we, not done with Vampire uh, Nights, man. I thought we were. You know, I was. I was getting into the strenuous thing. It was like I'm talking about dicks and butt fucking. No, I'm much. torturing you right now. No, we're good. This I don't torture, mind. Bitch. We can kill dude. I just thought I was talking about butt fucking a lot, so I wanted to get out of you know. Um, oh, so here's what. Is it? Well, let's talk about what happens. They go back to the apartment. They have a scene. They say we've got to find out if these guys are all vampire knights. And then they get separated. And then they go, "Hey, are you a member of the vampire knights?" And then we have some jokes and something, something. And then we cut back and go, hey, are you a member of the Vampire Knights? And then a couple of dudes get killed. And then that like the one vampire killing psychopath that really should be the villain of the film ends up being the hero. I the the, the one joke that was kind of funny was the fact that you wore night brace all the time because it was vampire protection. OK, haven't seen that in a movie before. It That's does make an odd amount of sense that you're a little angry about like you know no leather neck gauntlets or something and like john carpenter's vampires because that was like a leather clad badass vampire movie which the first mistake was casting james woods but that's neither here nor there but yeah vampire nights is complete and utter fucking trash there's a reason this disappeared because it's not even entertaining when he like nudity to be like a, an excuse for being entertaining or being the, it's it's nothing Think movie and it takes place all in her apartment in a red light. I never not finished it because I thought it was particularly bad, but each time, uh, I think the very first time, I ended up uh, picking a book up that I haven't ever read before and read it for like three hours. And then the second time, I think I got on Facebook and then played a sniper game for like 45 minutes and then realized, oh, the credits are coming on. And then I rewound it and then played the same sniper. You know, there's just it's one of those movies you will make uh, an excuse. You'll find uh, any reason to not continue watching it. And it it is 100 percent the movie's fault. It is director. It is everyone involved's fault because it's just like it stands for nothing. It's not some fucking good 80s like horror. It's just kind of shit. Unless you have a lot of control or you're very good at what you do as a film director or writer. If I look down for 20 minutes and I look back up and I'm on the exact same boring fucking location in an apartment, 
like from when I left off, then what have I missed? It's just been a well, series you know, of scenes at the same fucking apartment. Because like my favorite thing, and I talk about this a lot, is movies that are one location, and I constantly reference the big. But Gahuna. those take talent, is my point. Exactly that there is a magnificent way of doing this, but you you end up not looking at your phone or whatever is going on because it's like a common excuse and a placement now of well I was on my phone so I wasn't watching it beforehand something like this literally you'd fucking find a reason to masturbate like there's no way you're going to sit and make it through vampire I almost fucking challenge you as an audience member if you make it through this bad yeah if you finish this from start to finish one I question have you had a lobotomy two what substances you are on and three what's your IQ at because there's no fucking way that this could really ask any questions or make you want to watch it further this is one of the only two movies I've never been able to finish there's not even any special effects. There's like some blood. Some chicks have some vampire fangs. That's literally it. There's no fun to be had. It is just I want to make a movie. I can shoot it all in my apartment. It'll be fine. It won't be fine, dude. You have to have talent to do that. You like actually have to pay attention to your writing and make your characters interesting. And you did none of those things. You just shot shit to shoot shit. And I'm sure you probably made a little bit of money off of it. But it didn't resonate with time, goddammit, because Vampire Nights is dead and it will remain dead. I'm going to report that YouTube account for copyright infringement. Uh, Not really. I would never do that. But (laughs) I got to get that thing taken down. Take down Vampire Nights. We implore you, the audience, to do so. So I brought up an interesting question on this on this show. I have not finished two movies, Tanya's Island and Vampire Nights. You, the audience, if you can recall, and I've said it recently, the one movie that I walked out on in theaters, email us the answer at deathbydvdofficialgmail.com and we'll give you a fucking bumper sticker. Maybe two or three of them. We got a lot. Do it. So are we going to do this last goddamn thing? Oh, yeah, man. We can keep on trucking, trucking and fucking. That's all I know, baby. We got a great big convoy. I had heard of this film years ago. I think I saw it in like a video release thing in Fangoria in the 80s even. And I had never seen it at a video store. I had never seen it anywhere. And then randomly one day it popped up on YouTube. And that is Dr. Frankenstein's General Hospital. All right. My favorite movie tonight, but it's garbage. It's not. Well, I mean, that's my defense here because it's my favorite movie that I watched out of these four. It's not the best. Chameleons is the best. I'll give you that. Up until I watched Vampire Nights, this was my least favorite by far because it is a parody style comedy from the 80s like an airplane style comedy police academy that sort of thing well if anything it's it's pleading with the same audience of you know mel brooks and it's trying to be clever and it's almost overimposing upon itself and that's i guess what i took away from it that it thinks it's um you know digging to this really clever funny funny audience and that it's it's artistic and that we've pulled some unique talents and we've got this whole parody of of what horror and drama and 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 obviously when this came out uh hospital dramas were starting to really take craze and become a boom and what i found unique and almost pleasing about it is it takes it's almost like my issue with people in the fandoms that are just so negative. It takes all this effort and all this steam to make itself clever. And it's just so bad. Like all, all, all of this, 
you know, oh, we'll shoot these parts in black and white, and then these parts will be in clover, color, and we'll combine them together to show the transition. Uh, I get what you're doing, but it's just you, it you've made. Been, okay. Well, you've taken, you've, you've tried to polish point. a turd for so fucking long that it now, to me, is hysterical and almost quality because you polished this piece of shit to the point you just smeared it. You made an interesting point that um, it's like taking on kind of soap opera hospital dramas as well as like a Frankenstein myth because all the Frankenstein stuff where he's doing in the basement is shot in black and white and all the hospital dramas in color. But like the hospital drama stuff, if they would have put some soap opera music behind it or had some like very over the top scenes of like, I like, you know, just really hitting that soap opera angle hard it might have worked a little bit better, but they don't just do some that. Cutaways, it just becomes, you know, it like just goes from color to journey. It goes from color to black and white to color. That's literally all it does. I mean, if that's what they were trying to achieve, they. Well, I mean, that's that. that's what I mean. Like directly there, like you could do a cutaway of somebody pushing a gurney, and it you know transitions from black and white into color, and then you're moving into that next scene. Just something to segue and move you as a, an audience member. And this plays off like again, I made a reference earlier about like rejected fucking Monty Python skits. This is like something not good enough for kids in the hall. This is like uh, literally what you might see if Wayne's World was a real show, just some weird public access stoner stuff. But at the same time, it attempts to mask itself with this lever level of cleverness that it just appeals to me. And I think the biggest thing or what I like the most about it is Leslie Jordan, who is just hysterical. It's, I enjoy it's just Leslie a weird Jordan character in a lot of different things. I can I, I like Erwin Keys a lot. He's in this film. Uh, um, once he finally gets his odd punk dress Punk up and Frankenstein thing. Yeah, it's that's really but, cool. I mean, there's a lot of neat fun visuals with the entirety of it, but you know, the star of it. Mark you know, Blankfield, come yeah, on, okay. man. I hate him. You hate you hate Mark. <laughs> I have never enjoyed him as an actor. Um probably people would most like recognize him for from this show anyway is he was the actor that Zach Morris would hire on Saved by the Bell to pull off his schemes. The curly-haired actor in like some earlier episodes of Say by the Belt. That's who I'm talking about. He was in The Jerk Two, that I TV movie. Two, one of the he was most... in uh, Jekyll and Hyde together again. He one was a big he was like a Second is, um, City guy. He, I think he was more Groundling though. Uh, he's almost in every big shot. He's one of the merry men of um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. I think that's a big one. He's in Dracula Dead and Loving It. He did a lot of um, the Leslie Nielsen movies. Fun. He is not funny at well, all. Well, that's that's what works almost drastically. And maybe it's just the angle I'm watching this movie at, because I, this is one of the ones I watched twice that I watched it and was like, I don't know, there's kind of something to this. And I watched it again, and it, it just almost seems like it's such a parody of itself and everything else that, one, either they knew the angle that they were going at and were making such an obtrusive, uh, bizarre, obtuse comedy that they, they knew it was going to come out this way and no one was ever going to see it, or that they were so into their own let's shit on everything idea that they actually thought it was funny. And that makes more sense than anything else, especially with Mark Blankfield. But that, too, adds to why I like the movie so much, because he's fucking abhorrent. And I love it. He's just it's not even that he's a bad actor. And I don't mean that. He's just so over the top. Constantly. Yeah, he would have been perfect on like Twin Peaks. My God, David Lynch should have worked with this guy. It would have been great. But in. Uh, the caliber of what you're looking for in this movie is the mad Dr. Frankenstein. You've got this just like 
bipolar, bizarre performance. And it's just like, what the fuck am I watching? I love this. I I love this. It almost has the same draw to me as like why I liked Jackass as a teenager. Like, look at these idiots hurting each other. It's kind of funny. And it it just has that uh, that feeling that that level of. I, I don't know, drooling stupidity. And I, <laughs> there is nothing like worse than a comedy that is not funny. And there is definitely something more wor- like that's worse than that. And that is a parody comedy that is not funny because and those I find things. It- so not funny that I think it's funny. So I oh mean, God, I, I, maybe- it did not, no, it did not go over that hill and become funny again. It just didn't. So I'm just maybe maybe I'm just burned out enough that something <laughs> like, touched me on this level. I don't know. Uh, this is such a weird reference, but it, it almost like the movie gives you that smell of an eraser you've used too much. Like it just almost is burnt plastic that it is absolutely senseless and it has no uh, deeper meaning. But there's just something about I don't know the different levels of bizarrity. Like once Irwin Keys wakes up as Frankenstein and it's just this like. I love Frankenstein. I'm going to fuck him. And Kathy shower who starts getting naked from that point on is now just banging Frankenstein. You've got this awful scene with the other doctor at the end of the movie when he finally gets arrested for trying to kill him. And it's like, you're going to fuck the monster. Yeah. And it's just this like attempt at even being raunchy. And it's like, I don't know. Even Canadians get raunchy better than this. There's just nothing to it. It's like a but it's like you left a bunch of chimps in a room and they tried to come up with a really great comedy after being given a key phrase. I don't know. It, it, it's so it's such a parody that they took it. I feel they took it so seriously that it's it's funny. There's okay. it, it, it's okay. funny looking at how bad it is, I guess, but not in an ironic sense. Uh, go to the I mean, I'm not defending it. Um like date movies and superhero movies and all that shit that was going through the two thousands. A lot of people think that there's nothing worse than those films, which I will agree. Those are all. Oh, God, awful. There is a lot they, worse than Van Wilder. Trust me. Well, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the, the parody ones. I, there's guys that are associated with them. They made like, remember the Spartans and vampires suck and all these bad, bad parody movies. Oh, once that the were, scary movie spinoff started yes. happening and the Wayne's brothers were let out of control. They like, and what they really did was they took jokes about current pop culture and just churn out a fucking movie. that didn't even have a story or plot. It was just joke after joke about pop culture. Oh, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's sort of the problem with South Park is you go back and rewatch a season of South Park from 2002 and not even it's not that it's not funny. It's you don't even get it anymore because these references are so buried and gone. It's just like, what the fuck? What? Why? Why? It was shake weight. There's a whole episode about shake weights. Really? Was that such a part of our culture at one point in time? And yeah, it was because all of us remember watching those infomercials at two in the morning in 2000 and what, seven, eight, nine. It doesn't matter. It's like you're jerking a dick off. Yeah, yeah. Which it's fun. It um, was briefly then. But like with those movies, it is a prime example why parody movies don't work very well unless they're expertly handled. Like Mel Brooks did a few really he did Young Frankenstein, he did Blazing Saddles. He took on a lot of genres and, and was this like definitely very apt at it. This even visually tries to, I think, take bites at young Frankenstein. And and that's that's evident with the black and white sequences. But I think their uh, essence of trying to parody things overwhelms it to the point that we get your parody point. It's just not funny. 
But it, like, I think even Mel Brooks has made some really terrible. Like, he made uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It, which is a god awful. Like, it's not funny. There's barely any funny jokes in it, and that's what this movie is guilty of. It's the same thing where it's just like, wow, these are like all really easy, plain, stupid jokes that you thought might get a like. You're not even going for a big laugh. You're going for a. That's what like the entire movie is going through for the entire time. They're not going for any major laughs. They're just kind of going for a, uh, yeah. Oh, he's wearing underwear on his head. It's like, oh my god! It's just there's, there's no really attempt at writing anything. It was like a premise. Let's just get some okay actors. Uh, I think Let's that's get the charm. Paul Rudd to just fucking improv, and we'll have some fucking fun. Won't that work? Yeah, well, I mean that just doesn't work. That, that literally is kind of what I think is is unique and what makes this kind of funny is because it's just so uh, dumb and no one no one stopped it. There's there's two writers, one director, you know, a whole cast and crew of people, not one person let anything slide. You know, it's just this massive piece that these people obviously at some point had to take very seriously. And maybe I'm just being mean spirited out of what I enjoy about it. But I, I think it's funny because it's just so particularly bad. I think it's watchable too. Like this is one of the the few on the list, probably this and chameleons, I think is completely, you can, you can finish this a, a to Z. I would say, you know, if you're a drinker, drink, if you, uh, you know, shoot heroin into your cock is, as you have advised on me. the show, do so. Of Mad TV, and when I say that, I mean <laughs> not the already laying Mad TV, but like the last two years. Well, of no, it. it's just all Mad TV. Like it reminds me of like bad improv characters that you like someone has created. See, I, I think have it, this, it really I have like a character feels... that does this, and they just do that character week after week after week. And yeah, it's not no, it, it funny character. Well, not even like like directly attacking Mad TV, but to me, it just feels like blank kids in the hall humor that didn't hit. I mean, and I, I love that show. And I love kids in the hall, but it really feels to me like a bunch of stuff they sat around and came up with and didn't pan out, you know, and, and, for a reason, obviously, but I, I don't know. I, I have obviously no further and greater explanation outside of I found some charm in the inadequacies and the just, I don't know, complete bland nature of this. Um, for some reason, it, it just reminds me of um, like if this movie could be a person, it would be Milton from Office Space. Like this, that's the equivalent of, you know, I think you can you, you, you took my stapler. Oh, my God. Another tired, dead premise. Yeah, exactly. Basically, that's what this it's just like, I don't know if anybody could ever found this funny. And like maybe in 1986, some people were like, oh, yeah, OK, that was good. But none of these jokes land. None of these Except jokes it land. came out in 88. And I, I'm probably going to boldly state I'm the only person that might have snickered. Uh, I don't know what. I mean, I, I don't I, I mean, I'm. <sighs> Trying to formidably explain it further outside of their Irwin keys on a skateboard. Uh, you know, uh, there's just something sometimes uh, charming to me about something so bad and tacky. I mean, it's it's like, I don't know, like when you're at the grocery store and they've got something out for Halloween that makes farts when you walk past it in the bathroom. And it's just absolutely dumb and kitsch and it has no point. You're only going to use it that one time and it's 19 bucks. I don't know. It's just got that same absolute dumbness and i i found something almost redeeming and uh, kind of fun out of it that it, it just was like a novelty item that you had to buy at a road stand because it's just gawking at you you know it's it's just it's just a big fart noise and it, it it's just that's what i took out of it and there's 
a weird amount of charm that I oddly respect and kind of liked. I'm not, I'm not by no means would even give it a star, not even a cult point. Like I, I professionally trying to rate this, it gets nothing from me. But <laughs> I like Leslie Jordan. system. I do. I kind of really enjoy this. Where it's garbage. It's completely terrible, and I well, hate I mean, it. I, I'm going to take the experience. I don't hate it. I mean, a lot of the things I give one and zero stars, I don't hate. I mean, I'm going to try and give it like a, an honest rating on technical calibers and what it looks like and how it was filmed and acting. And there's just no point or even reasoning no. to get something like this a rating. I mean, it, it's just very nonsensical, but at the same time, I mean, it, watching it straight sober and then watching it high as hell on fucking transcendental goddamn drugs, uh, there's something fun about it. Well, we just answered my question right there, Hank. Okay, understood. That's why you found it funny. <laughs> hey, don't blame the bath salts. They're not a humorous substance. Uh, you just... I'm glad you didn't eat anyone's face this time. Uh, that's why I had to leave Florida. But we'll talk about that next week. Oh, my God. Next week is Christmas. Are we going to come down anyone's chimney? It's the day after Christmas. I will be coming nowhere. So would we have come down the chimney beforehand? We would have came. All right, well, we're going to stuff some stockings. I guess we can say that. Uh, we're going to stuff stockings for the day after Christmas. We don't know what we're doing special. Uh, I've had ideas. We'll go with that. Not many, many of them are very good. Uh, I'm sure it's fine. So the ashtray is full and the bottle's empty. Merry Christmas-ish time, because this is a Christmas episode. We're going to do sleigh bells. Technically, yes. Bottle is empty. We'll see you next week. Tip your people and be nice. Be holly. Be jolly. of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. The management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning. And now our national anthem. Mm -hmm.